Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of You Hate to See It Interviews. My name's Adam. I'm Jeff. I'm Nick. And uh, and today we are joined by a special guest. Uh, you might know him as the voice of your childhood. Uh, if And Emmy-nominated, uh, welcome, voice of Donald Duck, Daniel Ross. <laughs> that i wasn't i I like i knew it would happen but like i wasn't prepared for it like still (laughs) i don't he wasn't ready i don't know how to feel about that (laughs) if you win the emmy are you going to go up and talk like that when you do your (laughs) everybody's asked me that and to be quite honest i i I will probably say a few words uh but it's you know i got a lot of people to thank so uh i'll I'll probably keep it uh keep it to mind um cool so uh i mean let's start at the beginning um how did you become the voice of donald duck (laughs) i agreed that we would start at the beginning rather than the end so i'm gonna hold you to it okay um, so how did you become the, the voice of Donald Duck? How'd you oh, get man. that mantle? Yeah, so there was a process. I went through, uh, I auditioned, I went through a series of callbacks, uh, and then eventually Disney called me and said, hey, you got the show, um, you booked it. Um, I think uh, when I first, when my agent first got the audition, they were looking for as close to Clarence Ducky Nash as possible. He was the original voice of Donald Duck from 1934 to 1984 for 50 years. And so uh, I gave it my best shot. It was an impression that I had done for my entire life. And uh, I was like, okay, well, hey, I get to audition for Disney. Isn't that cool? They called and said, we want you to come back in. I go in and out of thousands of people that had submitted, uh, there were probably a handful of people in the room with me, uh, many of which were celebrities and other voice actors that I knew and was uh, squeeing over. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Uh, It was pretty intense. And uh, so we get in to do the audition and they're they're cycling through different words that they want me to say. And uh, one of them was like, can you say ridiculous? And I would say, ridiculous. Okay, can you say this? Can you say that? And eventually I said, hey guys, can I can I offer a suggestion? And they said, sure, what you got? Now, mind you, I'm in the booth by myself, and on the other side of the glass, there's like, you know, 20 people. I mean, it's all crowded in there, and they're all looking at me. So I said, can I, can I offer a suggestion? And they said, yeah, go for it. And I said, what about... <laughs> and they said, could you do that again, please? And I said, yes. And uh, uh, my producers later told me after multiple more callbacks that that was the moment they knew uh, that I had booked it. Uh, So I got the phone call. I called my mom, who actually taught me the voice when I was three years old. Uh, She liked to be called Mama Duck. We both, uh, uh, you know, talked on the phone and enjoyed and savored the moment. I think we both went (laughs) (laughs) to each other. And uh, the rest was history. We started with Mickey and the Roads to Racers, Mickey Mouse Mixed Up Adventures, and uh, finished with Mickey and Minnie Wish Upon a Christmas. So, um, and so you do still all the voice for like in the shorts and stuff too? No. So there's sometimes there's different people that voice characters at the same time. Okay. Uh, I'm the third person to have voiced Donald. It was Clarence Nash, 
Tony Anselmo, who's been voicing the character for 30 plus years and still today is the official voice of Donald Duck. Okay. Uh, so he, he still voices the character. He and I worked on separate projects. Um, but yeah, I'm Emmy nominated for Mickey and Minnie Wish Upon a Christmas, which is... <laughs> <it's amazing>. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, so how do you guys... Uh, like, who makes the decision of which one of you voices for which project? How is that decided? You know, you just you just show dad, up when they call you. That's way <laughs> over my pay grade. Yeah, I show up when they say you'll hear now. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a that's a that's a Bob Iger issue. Yeah, <laughs> do the voice. Here's the cash. <laughs> so, how did you like? Have you been? It sounds like you've just been doing impersonations since you were a baby at this point so did you learn like most of them from your mom and then just kind of kept going as you grew up or so that's a good question my my mom encouraged most of it uh but she taught me donald that was a specialty of hers and she started doing that to annoy her mom my grandma you know back in the day so so she would quack just to annoy uh my grandmother um, but no, I would sit in front of the TV for Saturday morning cartoons, big bowl of Lucky Charm cereal, just, you know, impersonating all the characters uh, that, that I would see on the TV. So, I mean, we're talking Looney Tunes, Transformers, Masters of the Universe. I mean, everything that, that came on at that time. So uh, Donald was the first voice I learned how to do. And then everything else just kind of I started to do it as I grew up and uh, to my parents chagrin. Uh, you know, I would impersonate them. I would impersonate my teachers to get out of school. I would prank phone calls. Uh, yeah, and then later in life, I started using my superpowers for the forces of good. <laughs> I think you mean money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, honestly, um, you, you raise an interesting... I know it's uh, facetious, but you raise an interesting point. I got in this for money to have a job. This is my job. Mm-hmm. But the, the the reverberations into the world uh, of these characters and the solace that people get from watching things and, you know, the escapism that they need, there is a positive influence it, it, because of what we do. And it's not lost on me. Anytime I meet my fans at conventions, I'm just blown away by the stories and and how what you know i'm doing for work is is resonating with them and helping them in their moments i I gotta thank you for making me remember uh transformers the game on (laughs) the psp that i have not thought about in easily 15 years Um, (laughs) so that is i i forget that i had a psp for for like often and then I I completely forgot I had that game, for sure. And this is Starscream. Oh Make for the rendezvous point. The old spark will soon be ours. <laughs> that. Oh my god! I just trying to remember games I had for the PSP. I I before this I would have never remembered Transformers. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my first big break actually. Uh, Transformers. Okay. I I campaigned to be a part of that because I don't know if you all can tell. I collect a lot of Transformers. Mm-hmm. I've got Cybertronian ink on me. Okay. I'm a big, big Transformers fan. In fact, the very first movie I ever saw as a kid was the Transformers, the movie. I, in I, I have distinct memories of when I was, God, I had to have been like five or six. And 
um the it was one of the new cartoon network transformers shows was just coming out and i recorded it my dad let me record it and um i was supposed to go to bed that night and it was like at like eight because i was like you know five um (laughs) and uh my grandpa he let me watch it an hour after it was done recording and then figured we figured out together how to make it look like we didn't watch it (laughs) and that was and that was the premiere and that was that was one of the best memories I have of those. Like, that's one of the only memories I have when I was like five. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's really something. Yeah. Transformers has been around for a while. I mean, it, it, uh, it was invented in my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take credit uh, in the eighties <laughs> and then, you know, blew up in the night. It, it, it disappeared for a while and then it came back with beast wars. And then all of a sudden it just completely exploded on the market again. I uh, that it was probably around 2000 uh, yeah 2004 2005 is when I started getting all of the toys and I'm telling you I got all of them. So you probably had you probably went for if it was 2004 I'm going to say were you in the um Energon or Cybertron era? Energon Energon Energon, Energon was everything I that was my lifeblood as a child. Was there you on. go? There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, that was every single show I watched. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was a great toy line. I still have all of those too. See, I didn't watch anything Transformers until the Michael Bay movie on DVD because my mom thought cars turning into robots was stupid and wouldn't let me watch it. So, well, your mom was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she is. My mom really <laughs> hurt my entire existence. <laughs> I was I wasn't allowed to watch Star Wars because my mom thought it was stupid. She I the first time I saw Star Wars was on Spike TV after all six had come out and Spike TV ran like episode 1 through 6 and my dad had only seen the original 3. So he we sat down and watched and he didn't even remember like that it was, his movies were episode four, five, and six. He was just like, ah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll start with episode one. And he's like, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> but yeah, my mom, Dad, there's a thing called prequels. Yeah, they come before the thing, and then the sequels of the after thing. Yeah, yeah. So my mom was on a cruise, and we watch, we recorded all six movies on Spike TV and watched them while she was away. And and, and then did you go back to her and say, Mom? Star Wars is not stupid. No, uh, we hid the fact that I watched Star Wars. Um, and I don't even think to this day, she, like she knows I've seen it now, but I don't think to this day she knows when or how I first saw it. So, okay. so she's, she's, I, I see the scenario playing out. She's knocking on your door. What are you doing in there? What are you doing in there? She opens the door. You're on your phone. Oh, mom, what are you yeah. doing? I'm watching Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and it was 100%. Nick, why do you sound like you're 19 miles from your mic? How do you manage this every Probably time? Probably because there, you go. there we go. <laughs> that's where the that's where the gain was. <laughs> I had to tell my mom to leave. <laughs> so oh, okay. I didn't want that caught on mic. Mom, um, go away. We're, wa- we're talking about Star I'm Wars. talking yeah. about Transformers. <laughs> mom, go away. <laughs> God, I'm talking to Star Stream, Mom. <laughs> um, so 
you said that uh, Transformers was your big break. Are you telling me that the Ninjas versus franchise <laughs> wasn't your big break? <laughs> yeah. yeah, explain to me how that didn't snap so, you onto the scene. I've, oh, I've never I'm... seen them, but looking at your IMDb, there's what, three of them? <laughs> there's there's there the trilogy go, uh, Blu-ray pack. Blu uh, ninjas versus zombies, ninjas versus vampires, and ninjas versus monsters. Yes. Oh. <laughs> you guys did your homework, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all about context. This was uh, on-camera work for me, and I produced these films uh, you know, I thought we were just talking about voiceover. So, yeah, no, that was definitely a huge thing for me and uh, my buddy Justin Tim Payne, uh, who directed the movies. Um, we were just, you know, working actors in the D.C. Baltimore area and not very successful. And we were watching Clerks 2 one day and there was a line where they're like, we should buy the quick stop and be our own bosses. And we kind of looked at each other and we were like, we should. We should make our own opportunities. Let's make our own movies. And so we walked around a blockbuster that I was working at at the time uh, to find the movie that wasn't there yet. And so we settled on the title of Ninjas versus Zombies. Uh, that's literally how the process went. And it became successful. And we started with vampires. That was immensely successful. We did monsters. And that was the end of it. We were like, okay, cool. We did a trilogy of movies. This is awesome question and of course the next thing for me was well i guess i'm gonna get into voiceover now yeah <laughs> question does the baltimore dc area explain your three cameos in the wire yes okay yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely okay. that was one of the first things i ever worked on um yeah just like extra stand-in work you know i was in front of the camera a couple times but i got to interact with the cast and uh, I met Method Man at one point, Idris Elba. Oh my gosh, it's just such an amazing cast, and what a great show! Uh, that's that's maybe that's what I should watch. I was just texting these guys earlier how I'm looking for a new show. You or should, should just rewatch the same show for the third time. Um, now I'm also a new fan of uh, Wednesday on Netflix. Tim Burton's Wednesday from the Adams Family. I I actually really like it. I think it was really well done. Yeah, I've heard really good things about yeah. it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I never but... watched it. Watched the old yeah, one. Yeah, give, it a, give so. it a shot. The Wire okay. is, you know, it has multiple seasons. I think it's like five seasons, I want to say. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the best shows that's ever been on TV. You know, Wednesday will be around for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Netflix is getting rid of it anytime soon. Probably. No, no. But I'll tell you this. Jenna Ortega is going to be a massive star. I mean, she already is, but... Uh, she's going to be on a lot of people's radar, and she's an astounding actress. Really? She, she she gobbled up that role of Wednesday. <laughs> um, so what has been your favorite voiceover project in general, and favorite live action project that you've worked on, either on screen or on voice or uh behind the scenes somewhere? The answer is five. Okay. That's my answer. Uh, you asked me two questions at the same time. I, I'm sorry. A silly, a silly answer. Um, oh, man. I mean, the experience making the Ninjas versus Trilogy was stupendous for me mm -hmm. because all those people are like family to me now. Um, you know, we're all still, you know, in each other's lives and we keep in touch. It was it was a very momentous occasion because it was just another reminder that if you put your mind to something, 
you can accomplish anything. And this is what we set out to do. We're like, we're going to make our own movie. And we did. And we were successful. So that kind of fueled my sales to get myself out here to Los Angeles and try the voiceover market. Because, um, you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing to navigate Hollywood and the entertainment industry, let alone uh, something so specific as voiceover. But I would have to say from the voiceover side of things, I mean, I love all of my children. I love all my children, everything. It's <laughs> it's work. You know, every time I get to work as an actor is a blessing. So I count my blessings. And uh, I mean, look, there are some that are, are more uh, prevalent than others. I mean, Starscream was huge. That really started me on this journey into voiceover because I was going to conventions, meeting other voice actors, hearing their stories having them encourage me to come out to LA. Like I found like I felt, my, I found like I discovered my people. And so, yeah, Starscream was huge, but Donald Duck really changed my life and it changed my mom's life. Uh, you know, I, I lost my mom to cancer this year. And uh, the last thing that she and I watched together was Mickey and Minnie Wish Upon a Christmas. And so I submitted on a whim for the Emmys, you know, just, Hey mom, this is for you. And we got the nomination. So regardless of what happens at the ceremony this weekend, you know, I'm just grateful to be able to honor her memory, her legacy and our story together. So everything that I do has a positive spin to it. You know, I could tell you stories about Lucky the Leprechaun. I could tell you stories about multiverses, voicing Gizmo and Stripe. I could tell you about Uncle Shadworthy. I could tell you about Tom and Jerry. Everything has something, you know, immensely positive in my brain. So I, I can't pick one. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, here, here's a here's a spin on that. What's the one project or the one character that you feel is the most underappreciated? Underappreciated. Um, I I don't know that I would say underappreciated is a word I would love to use because for me, I appreciate everything in terms of what other people think. I don't know what other people think. You know, I, I'm just happy to be working. So I, I don't think anything in my mind would be underappreciated. Maybe if I had to throw out something, maybe the keeper of the cures from Bunsen is a beast on Nickelodeon. I mean, basically, he sounded like Ed Wynn. He was a very fun character, very, very <laughs> strange individual. He needed glasses. Um, that was a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know. What do you think? What is what is my underappreciated character? Tell I me, mean, so I can judge you. you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you Starscream because that was that that should have been the voice of Starscream in the movie. <laughs> You know, interesting that you mentioned that. Charlie Adler uh, did did the voice of Starscream for the movies, and he was incredible. But at the time, I was a little I was a little upset because we went in and we invented the voice that we did. Um, you know, I auditioned as Chris Lotta Starscream. Decepticons retreat. You know, we did that, and they said do something demonic that might scare the kids. <laughs> so I went with a version of Starscream that sounded like this. And that's what they picked. So I get to the session that day and they're like, great, we love the voices. Let's just do a light British accent. And I said, so you're telling me you want Starscream to sound like this? Yes, perfect. And I was like, oh, oh no, please don't. <laughs> no. And they're like, why? What? And I was like, I have a band. I have, that voice is not going to work for the character. And they're like, what you got? 
And in that moment, I went to Septicons. This is Starscream. And that's what that's what we ended up sticking with. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a crazy thing. And uh, I appreciate that uh, uh, you hold that in such high esteem because I certainly do as well. Did you believe if Starscream was British? <laughs> I, it, feels, it makes me feel uncomfy. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's a little strange. Oh, and, and I almost forgot your point. So in the movies, originally Starscream was not going to say anything. It was only going to be Megatron. So I auditioned for the movie for the Autobots. I didn't audition for any Decepticons. So after the video game came out, that's when the movie came out and I oh. heard Starscream and it was Charlie Adler. I'm like, that sounds a lot like what we did. <laughs> <laughs> the the British Starscream sounds like he needs to be like just the character feels like he needs to be missing half his jaw in order to like fully <laughs> appreciate the character. <laughs> so yes, this might be lack of a mandible. <laughs> so this might be like a somewhat dumb question, but is there a difference there are no between no dumb questions? Jeff, well, you know what? I'm going to ask you a dumb one now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there a difference between like doing like voice acting for a video game or a show or a movie, or is it like pretty much the same thing? You just kind of get in the booth and you just do your lines and figure it out from there. Oh, that is a fantastic question. There is there are a lot of differences. So for video games, a couple of things might happen. Uh, you might get your script you know, 24 hours, 48 hours in advance, or you may show up on the day and there it is in front of you and go. Um, there's like little to no prep time. And you're literally going through a, an Excel spreadsheet of line, 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 context, 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 and then leaning into the, the voice director to really kind of get you in the right uh, space. Um, it's very rare that you get a full-on script where you know what's going on in the environment. You know what other people are saying. It literally is just line, 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 and go. Um, in some cases, you know, you might get something that's a little bit more fleshed out, like an entire scene. Um, but most, from my experience, it's just line, 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 line. When you're doing a TV show or a movie, you get a script, you get the whole shebang, you know exactly what's going on, or you get the sides, the specific pieces of the script that you are assigned to. So you know all the context, you know who you're speaking to, where it is, what time of day, you know, all those wonderful things. Um, so I, I think that gives you a different sense of, um, uh, it gives you a, a, just a, a different taste of how to get into the scene. Uh, but in either way, you're you're leaning on your voice director to kind of guide you through the process. Have you uh, ever auditioned or tried to get a role in like dubbing anime? Because I've heard that's uh, like just doing that is a pain. <laughs> I'm going to be honest as someone who's been getting into anime recently and I listen to dub. I watch dubbed more than because I usually watch it like it's just on the background at work. So I, I don't know Japanese, so <laughs> it doesn't work if I'm not looking at it. I, know, I feel like I've heard the same voices over and over in each anime. It's just like obviously different characters, but I feel like it's the same fucking voice actors for each dub. Uh, a long time ago, when I was still cutting my teeth in voiceover, I did a Japanese dub of Transformers Victory, and it was a fully produced uh, thing, you know, by the fans. We had a lot of fun doing it. I had so much fun voicing the characters. 
the challenge obviously being you have to manage the 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 words within the lip flaps as best as you possibly can mm -hmm. and so you're reading a script and monitoring lip flaps at the same time and that can be very tricky um anime dubs don't pay very well um you know it's it's uh it's not something that i've sought out i i came out to la to pursue in what i envision to be the big stuff stuff on tv stuff mm -hmm. at the movies uh, but I'm I'm open to it. I just haven't really ventured into that uh, into that realm. Yeah, I saw a thing with uh, a behind the scenes video of the I don't remember her name, but the actress who voices uh, or who dubs uh, for Ash from Pokemon. And, Sarah Natasheni. Yeah, and I, I saw her. and I saw the whole thing of like how she was like, yeah, basically they just like they have uh, English copy of the script and then we speak it and if i can't hit the lines right we see if we can rewrite the lines of fit with with whatever's happening and so it still makes sense and we just go back and forth until we figure it out yep that's exactly how it goes <laughs> yeah that sounds like too much stress for me i couldn't do it <laughs> you got you gotta love the work you know yeah to do it, you know yeah, I like uh, I work I work in the film industry and I like my place behind the scenes where if I mess something up, no one yells at me. I just <laughs> I do my little thing and I sneak photos of Batman on a motorcycle when I'm not supposed to. And then I go away. That's it. <laughs> you know, I work for Warner Brothers. They're probably going to watch this. Yeah, that's it. I'm a <laughs> My NDA, it's gonna they're coming after me now after the Batman's already released for <laughs> like almost a year now. Yeah. Just knocking on his door. They're gonna, send you, a right his they're gonna send you a letter. And inside the envelope, it's just gonna say justice. Yeah. I'm just gonna look out my window and there's the bat signal, and here comes Warner Brothers rolling down the street. That's the sign for their legal team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to get the Discovery Plus logo coming after me. So you uh do you play any video games? Did you after you voiced in them, did you end up playing like the Transformer games or Oh yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, for me, I'm not a big gamer. Um it's just not something I have a lot of time for and it's not something I'm particularly passionate about. Um I get it for the people that are cuz they're a lot of fun. But uh, uh if I'm in it, Yes, I'll play it because I get the perspective of being in the booth and then hearing the finished product. And then in my mind, adjusting and analyzing like, okay, I did that, that turned into this. I did this, this turned into this. So the next time I get into the booth, I have better ideas about what I should do uh, to improve the performance the next time. Um, the most recent one being uh, Multiverses for Warner Brothers. Uh, I've been playing that like crazy. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I play as my character, Uncle Shagworthy, like Uncle Shagworthy, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, Shaggy's uh, zillionaire rich uncle from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so I've been playing as him. Uh, I do the voices of Gizmo and Stripe, and so uh, those characters are just so much fun to play. So I'm playing multiverses. That's a lot of fun. Jeff and I tried that. And yeah, we played it. For we're, yeah. <laughs> we're not huge into fighting, like the fighting games, but it was fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. just well, messing around with it. It was Mortal Kombat. I, yeah. I used to empty all the quarters in my pocket with uh, MK Trilogy, uh, you know, and Pinball. 
and simple. Those were those were that was my jam. My my high school made the mistake of giving us iPads our senior year, and <laughs> I play I played Mortal Kombat on the iPad for easily fifty hours my senior year. Wow, there you go. Yeah, that was the second most played game on that iPad. <laughs> yes, I I play the games typically that I'm in on what was it January of 2021. Uh, I decided, okay, my New Year's resolution, I'm going to play more video games. Because, look, it, it's important for me to keep up with the industry and hear the voices that are working and, you know, the differences between the NPCs and the playable characters. That's important for me to understand. So I started playing Red Dead Redemption 2. And uh, beautiful, game. beautiful game. That's and such I have an lots amazing game. Yeah, and I have lots of friends in it, too. And I immediately regretted my life decisions because it's so complicated. <laughs> Every action has a different combination of buttons. And I'm thinking back to the days when I was showing my dad Super Mario Brothers for the first time on the <laughs> Nintendo. And he's like, why do you have so many buttons? You just need one in a joystick. And I'm like, dad, it's the future. And so, you know, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2 and I'm just getting mauled by wolves and bears. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah! It gave me to, so to, much stress and anxiety. I was like, I'm done. I, I, to, I, I, to be fair, I don't know how far you made it into that game. That is the first two hours of that game exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> it does get better, but that is the first two hours just, just getting mauled. Dude, yeah. I, I felt like I played when I first played that game. The the opening tutorial scene, like whatever you want to call that, when they're going through the snow trying to get to the city, th that could have been a fucking game itself. Like, it's, god it, damn, it's so long. Here's <laughs> the thing that I've played that game in, in totality two or three times, and it's just every time you play it, it's just such a beautiful game. Like, it's I, you find something new every time. Yeah, uh, it's gorgeous. Uh, it's you uh, could get lost in it, and I think that was the point. Oh yeah, uh, but I I really used to love. Um, there were PC games that came out in like the nineties, uh, like Mist, yeah, you know, Mist two, Mist three, four, uh, the seventh guest, the eleventh hour. I love the search and explore, solve puzzles, and and with a narrative. I love those kinds of games. Um, yeah, those those, those were cool. <laughs> so since you're a voice actor, have you been reached out to from Critical Role yet to go play D and D and? <laughs> nah, they don't need me. They've got they've got they've got their setup pretty good. Although I did hear uh, uh, oh, I forget who said there have been clips going around. Somebody was uh, trying to talk in Donald Duck voice, and uh, Sam Regal uh, was actually the voice director of Ducktales. So so he's he's clued in on that. But uh, no, I haven't gotten the call yet. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Matt Mercer. Is he? Is he like really one of the? That's who it yeah. was. He was doing the, the duck talk. Is he? Is he still considered one of like the best voice actors? Like I know for a while there, he was like one of the best. Is he still considered uh, yeah, that? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what he does this outside of Cassidy for Overwatch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. See, now I just want you to play D and D and play as a character called Donalysis Ducketh, and just stay in the dark. I've, uh, I've got my Pathfinder uh, uh, page here. That was the last thing I was working on, and and our group kind of disbanded because we all just had busy schedules. Yeah. <laughs> 
the downfall of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's how it is. We're literally we were we're trying to all constantly create new games with the people that can make it, and then one person <laughs> can't make it, so it stops being played, and everyone creates another game with yeah. everyone else, and it's just a big circle of <laughs> who's available. I mean, D has been campaigns. a part of of my career for a long time. I I worked on Neverwinter. Uh, oh shit! Okay. And most recently, I think it's the North Dark Reaches uh, is the latest uh, pack. I play uh, Rumpadum, uh, who's a Myconid, and that's been cool. Obviously, you know, Warcraft, uh, uh, Shadowlands, I played Kadarin and a couple others. Um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, that, that, that fantasy world is definitely near and dear to me. What's your uh, go-to D&D character? Um, I, I like the Bards. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that makes you know, sense. and and I'm the guy that's like, I'm gonna pull out the most obscure uh, spell, you know, that's that's advanced for my level, and be like, I think this is prudent in this moment. And everyone looks at me and goes, Why would you? No. <laughs> oh. Ah, so Don't you just play it. a bard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last the last game we were just playing, I was a bard. But I was the dad's bard, which ended up awful in the campaign because my entire character, I picked the most useless spells because everything I did was pretend like I was acting as like the group's father. So all I could do was RP and like that's, that was the whole point of the character. And it was a very combat heavy <laughs> campaign. So, so you were singing and slinging dad jokes. Yeah, so uh, I, he was more of just really shitty inspiration. <laughs> yeah, well, because eventually I'd gone through like my dad jokes had no context for anything. <laughs> I couldn't get anything that made sense. So I was just trying to inspire people through being proud of them <laughs> and things. And uh, we worked out that I didn't have to sing, but my whole thing was just like a, a dad joke was kind of my singing and stuff. And yeah, it, it just never worked out because we just kept fighting people and they were like monsters that I couldn't really communicate with. And I was like, can't we go to a bar or something? Like, can't, can we have like some weird thing to happen in a town when I might be, Oh, I know a guy or something like I could do something. Nope. We're just fighting dudes in the w woods. And I was like, this is, <laughs> I could just, awful. I could see you being like, uh, you know, uh, how, how could they eat all of my fruit? Now I'm peachless. <laughs> the only bard I've ever played was a uh, Billy Joel cover artist <laughs> named William Noel from Anchorage. Anchor yeah. That's, yeah, that's great. That's in my campaign that's currently on hold. Um yeah. but yeah. I gotta find my harmonica. That was a yeah, that was a wild <laughs> he, he downloaded a harmonica app on his phone and whenever he would use like bardic inspiration or some shit he would just click <laughs> buttons on the app and it was just horrible no it was a, he had it was a piano that he switched to sounding like a harmonica so he's just there clicking piano keys on his phone oh it was awful and that then, is dedication it was right great it was, also, it was, don't, don't you only know like one billy joel song I only, <laughs> only those piano, piano man. Man. he has yeah, no idea of any other billy joel songs so he would there, always sing piano man there was there was another campaign. I don't know. I don't think I was playing a bard, but I did end up having to serenade water nymphs uh, with yeah. single ladies. <laughs> so, and that the DM awful. made me sing it. <laughs> As you should have. Yeah. So I like to think it went extraordinarily well considering. <laughs>
Our um, D parties just become wild after about two sessions. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone throws their backstory to the wind. And we just play off each other's bullshit. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, or you the... just end up moving off the board and playing Monopoly as your characters. <laughs> Pretty much. There yeah. you go. I was yeah, telling Jeff today the, the character I'm making for his campaign is essentially just Conor McGregor. So that'll be fun. <laughs> oh, we had we did one campaign where we ended up stealing golden apples from oh a tree God. in Asgard. Uh, we got we went very far <laughs> in this campaign and got to a point that the DM was like, "I have said yes and too many times," <laughs> and and we kind of just went, "Yeah, all right." And so we were literally like, each golden apple was like worth like a million gold, and he set this up because he didn't think we would get them, and we ended up getting like twelve golden apples. <laughs> And it was just a bad time for him because then we start buying things and we literally spent one session not playing in just figuring out what we could buy. And we ended up breaking the whole game that literally the session after we bought everything, he nerfed us. <laughs> and like Yeah, there was I, a there was a post session uh patch that came out before yeah. the next session i also refuse to ever uh dm for adam and jeff together again <laughs> that, was... that was the you have to admit that was the most clever I, thing I, we've ever come up I with i hated it it okay. was a nightmare for me okay so i guess so we went and jeff and i worked <laughs> together and we built our backstories around each other and nick had to approve our backstories so we made them just vague enough for him not to realize that we were together <laughs> Um, but so I was a centaur and Jeff was a gnome or something. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever was this, he made himself as light as possible. I'm, I made my carrying capacity as heavy as possible so he could ride me. And then both of us were fighters. So that way we got opportunity attacks on each other for, for each other on everything. And then because, and he had such high health and I had such low health. That we made it that because I was a steed, then you can take yeah, the damage I of took... your steed, and it was, but it's broken. So how it originally? I don't know if they still have it like this. I haven't read the wording. So how it is in Five E is there's a subclass in Xanathar's for fighter that is cavalier, and if you are on a mount, you c- if they attack your mount and they hit its AC, you can use your reaction to take the hit for it. But it now has to beat your AC, and then if it doesn't, then it just doesn't hit. And Adam's AC was like 14, and mine was like 21, so they would just attack Adam, and I would just take the hit, and just <laughs> we, neither of us would ever take damage. And Nick got really mad, and that, I that, canceled uh, the campaign after yeah, that. Yeah, I that did... campaign lasted two sessions. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I took like one... Uh, my Because I think we started at level three, so I took like a level of Paladin, a level of something else with spells and all just to get the cantrips to heal so that way as he's taking my damage i just i'm touching him so i just heal him for things and it was great it's the smartest thing we've ever done and it backfired so fast (laughs) what's uh what's your i broke a campaign moment I don't have many. I really, I have not done a lot of D&D. Pathfinder was one of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, I did another round with another group and it was, it was a very hard campaign and I just didn't know what I was doing. Uh, it was like, oh, you got to read this novel before you can pick out your powers and your levels and your, 
your class and this and else. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. I just want to play. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have a specific moment. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's it's fine. fine. We have, we have so, so you're if anything you that shouldn't wants. be breaking. This, this is why often. Critical Role doesn't want me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I've at this point we've played so long and done so many, like tried everything that now it's the most fun is figuring <laughs> out how to play with each other against the DM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um. So I guess so. Let's talk a little bit more about you know your career a little bit. Um, <laughs> we could we could oh, circle if, back if to that. Since this, this, this isn't actually a Wizards of the Coast sponsored podcast, yeah. But if they want to sponsor us, <laughs> but, but they can if, just buy us. I mean, yeah. they did it with fucking D and D Beyond. They did do that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess I want to talk a little bit about um. Uh. How has uh the you'll get there i'll eventually how has the character <laughs> of donald changed since you voiced him has he changed at all or has the voice changed or um so donald duck is 88 years young mm-hmm. and obviously he's been voiced by three people uh you know in in his lifetime so far uh, my job was to kind of disappear into the role and give okay. people exactly what they were expecting. But uh, because it was a Disney Junior show for preschool audiences, uh, they asked me if I could enunciate more clearly. They asked me if I could pitch him up slightly uh, to make the sound a bit more friendly and welcoming. And so that was a slight adjustment to my version of Donald Duck than ones that had come before. So if we think about Clarence uh, Nash's version, <laughs> that's kind of what he sounded like. And the shtick mm-hmm. was, what'd he say? What'd he say? Because mm-hmm. he couldn't, it was hard to understand him. Whereas my version is, <laughs> so, you know, that was that was kind of the compromise. The writers were were very excited that they could have Donald carrying more of the narrative because uh, most of the time, if you notice, Donald will say something and then another character will repeat what he said. So in this case, Donald was able to have full-on conversations. We were able to do a lot of physical comedy. Um, there really is no word uh, that I can't say in in Donald Duck. The technical term is buckle speech, like a belt buckle. Um, I can speak in other languages. I can say just about any word, like the, the sky's the limit. And uh, when I first started, they gave me a sheet from Clarence Nash himself, which was all the words that were difficult for him to say so that the writers could then work around it. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the sheet and I was, I mean, amazed and honored to receive the sheet. <laughs> and I looked at it and I went, I can do all of this. We're good. <laughs> Let's go. Let's have fun. Uh, so my version is is a little bit different in that respect. Um but the the essence of the character is absolutely the same. Um, and then how did you take over the role of Lucky the Leprechaun? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was uh, that was one of the first jobs that I booked uh, here in LA. I was when I moved here in 2014. Uh, I drove my car cross country from DC to LA, and uh, when I got here. Uh, I said, okay, within the first year, I'm going to get my first agent, you know, I'll quit my job, I'll be doing voiceover, 
And so I had been working big box retail. I was working at Target at the time, 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. every single day. You know, the trucks going in, the freight going out, the floor, everything else. I finally said goodbye to that job. My gut was telling me it's time. It's time to move on. It's time to start, you know, doing more voiceover because I started booking some things. And I'm like, well, all right, you know, do I have a job and health benefits or no and do voiceover and maybe something good will happen. I said, let's let's try the voiceover. So on my very last day, when I when I said goodbye to everybody after working for Target for 10 years, I'm driving off the lot at 8 a.m. My agent calls and says, you, you booked Lucky the Leprechaun. And I said, I got lucky. Oh, <laughs> I got lucky. I really got lucky. Like this whole situation. Thank you, universe. I feel so lucky. So that was kind of the situation. They asked me to emulate Doug Prees, uh, who was, I think, the second or third voice of Lucky. It started with Arthur Anderson. And Lucky is almost 60 years old, uh, uh, as is uh, now. So I think there's been maybe 10, 10 people who have voiced Lucky in, in that time period. Um, but yeah, I voiced him for two years and uh, it was just, it was so much fun because I love Lucky Charm cereal. And it is my favorite kid, cereal. Pick out it's... all the marshmallows and I would put them into a ball and I would eat the ball. <laughs> and then it looked like I had murdered a unicorn because of all the colors <laughs> on my hands. It was great. So, uh, I mean, I guess, do you, I mean, you don't still do them, do you? Or... Uh, the Lucky Charm cereal? Yeah. Yes. I eat that all the time. I, was... I, I eat that all the freaking time. Jesus all Christ. Time. <laughs> um, I was going to say, why? is it? Because they're magically delicious. <laughs> I was going to say, You're is it like. For me Lucky Charms, are you? Is it less likely to get commercials now with like streaming services and stuff and not as much cable TV and. All oh, no, definitely not. I mean, commercials are the lifeblood of, uh, you know, capitalism. Uh, anytime <laughs> somebody's got something for sale, you got to let people know about it. And so commercials will never go away. You've got radio commercials, TV commercials, uh, even streaming services. You know, if you're not paying for, for YouTube, <laughs> you're subject to all of their commercials and ads. That's true. So, you know, it's it's still out there. It's very, very prevalent. I just don't happen to work a lot in the commercial sphere. Um, the last commercial I did was a Super Bowl commercial for McDonald's uh, where I voiced Grimace and his thoughts. So uh, funny story about that. Uh, I, it was um, uh, the, the commercial where they're all going, can I get a, they're up in front of the menu, can I get a, a, a let me get a, a, and so Grimace is there going, uh, and then you see these two sandwiches in his head go, pick me, no, pick me. And so I did that. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Grimace, character from my childhood. <laughs> yeah, it's Grimace, eh? And so I was so excited. The day it came out, I watched the Super Bowl. And I'm like, that's not me. That's not That's not me going, uh. It sounded so off. And I'm like, well, maybe I just I sound like that. All over the news, Ryan Reynolds voices Grimace for McDonald's. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're kidding me. So I guess I was mad because I ordered a pop figure and I'm like, I collect the pop figures of the characters I voice. And so I have to find Ryan Reynolds and have him autograph it for me just for the irony. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess if you're going to be replaced by someone, at least it was Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> you got it. You got it. 
At least it wasn't. So Ryan, Nick. if you're if you're listening, uh, I wouldn't mind a, a cameo in Deadpool three. Ryan, if you're listening, could you do <laughs> some promoting for us? <laughs> Jesus, fuck my guy, <laughs> help us out. <laughs> Come on the show or something. Holy cow! Yeah. Um. Oh. All right. Well. So, Daniel, it's been a blast having you. Um, would love to do it again sometime. Um, for when you win the Emmy. For when you yeah. win the Emmy. Yeah. Yes. There we go. We'll have you back. Well, Emmy party. <laughs> um, it's either an Emmy party or a pity party. <laughs> well, Nick will be there, so it'll always be a pity party. <laughs> Had to get one in there, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was really light. I'm making fun it of was, Nick it today. Was. Oh. Um. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. And thanks so much, Daniel, for coming on the show. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, please. Um, So first and foremost, uh, thank you, all of you, for having me on the show. This was a pleasure chatting with all of you. Um, Yeah, if you... uh, Let's see. Let's. Where do we even start? Mickey and Minnie's Wish Upon a Christmas. You can find that on Disney+. Plus. It's for the holidays, so that's perfect uh, for, for the time of year. Uh, Multiverses is out from Warner Brothers. Like I said, I play Uncle Shagworthy, Stripe, Gizmo, um, Diablo Immortal just came out. Uh, I'm in Genshin Impact, uh, Mickey Mouse Funhouse. Uh, there's there's so many fun things that are out right now. But I would love if you all would follow me on social media. You can find me under Actor Daniel Ross. Uh, I've made it very simple. Everywhere there's social media, you will find me at Actor Daniel Ross. Find me on TikTok. We have a lot of fun on TikTok. I follow you. Uh, we go behind the scenes with voice acting, uh, interact with the fans, with uh, with Donald Duck. Uh, I'll make you laugh. I'll make you cry. Uh, you should stop by. Nick, make sure you follow him on TikTok, Nick. I, yeah, I, Nick. I, I have a TikTok. Yeah, Nick. I'll follow you on Instagram. <laughs> follow me there too, Nick. Okay. Why weren't you following me on the run? Uh, I'm doing it right now. I'm going to yeah. start stream haunting my dreams in a second. <laughs> Why weren't you following me, Dick? Oh, what is the purpose? <laughs> I will destroy you. I'm having flashbacks. Was this a common thing that Starscream would say to you while yeah. playing the yeah, game? Yeah, it was, it was dreams. It was, no, it was Did you dreams. enter your name into the game and then it would just autofill in? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I am, I am now following Nick, you. Nick, we're losing. Let me sleep. Uh, follow faster. Follow faster. Yeah, I'm following. All right. Thanks again All for right, coming guys. on the show. It was a good Thank time. Thank you so much. Have oh, a happy bless. holidays, or I should say, happy holidays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's going to go in the ad. <laughs> oh, 100%. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, All right thanks. Uh, you Cheers. Too. If you liked the episode, tell us your thoughts and join the conversation by rating and reviewing us, sharing the episodes, and following us on social media at YOUH82CIT. You can also help us out by becoming a patron to the podcast. By becoming a patron, you get access to our private Discord server, our monthly movie review, and you even get access to unedited video versions of our episodes. All links are in the description. And that's it. You hate to see it end, but fear not, we shall return. And you'd hate to I, miss it. I, I, <laughs> oh, I hate well. it so much. We're doing this uh, again. I'm I'm emo now because of you. <laughs>